Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago. And in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Also, because it's Wednesday, it's our ESPN Roundtable, which we do during the 5 o'clock hour each and every Wednesday. This week, a cool crossover. He's actually his second time appearing on the ESPN Roundtable. He's Andy Thompson. He's the defensive coordinator at Sacramento State. That's the entry point, because Sacramento State plays at Montana on Saturday afternoon. Andy also, though, was a member of Montana's 2001 National Championship team as a linebacker. So he's played against the Grizz many times in his years as a coach because he coached for Jerome Sowers, former Grizz defensive coordinator, when Coach Sowers was the head guy at Northern Arizona. But Andy Thompson, he's been the big sky for about 15 years, but just his second season, his third year at Sac State. 2019 was his first year there on Troy Taylor's staff. So this is his first trip back to Missoula as a Hornet. Made many uh, as a lumberjack at NAU, but his first trip back to Missoula as a Sacramento State Hornet so this is an interesting one because, on one hand, very cool for Andy Thompson because he gets to come to the place he went to college, the place he was a player. He also gets to come back to his wife's hometown. His wife is from Missoula. And he gets to be here when Montana celebrates their 20th anniversary of the 2001 National Championship team. Strange, though, because he is the opponent at Washington Grizzly Stadium, so he gets to see a bunch of good college buddies. He gets to be a part of a celebration, but he's also the opponent in this situation as well. So uh, definitely very interesting that uh, Andy Thompson, in the situation that he finds himself in. And then, of course, like we do each Wednesday as well, we're going to have our Grizz Star of the Week. I'm going to save who it is going to be because we have a post-practice requested to Montana Sports Information. As we know and as we sort of found out last week, sometimes practice goes a little long, and that doesn't work when you're doing a live radio show. So we will have a Grizz interview for you during the 5.30 portion of the show. It's just a matter of whom is joining us here on Nuanas Now. Regardless, it'll be fun to hear from a variety of maybe the Grizz options that we have at our disposal. I swung over to SWX Montana Television last night and caught up with one of my good buddies. Well, we always like to bring you real-time scenes, you know, so that you believe 
that yes, we do work really late. <laughs> Sitting here with Sean Rady, SWX Montana Television. It's nine o'clock. We're supposed to record at eight thirty. Forgot the uh, voice recorder at my house. But the good news is we got the right voice recorder. We're in the right studio. Everything's going well on that front. It's been a long day. But the funniest part of my drive over here, I live down uh, by the Paddleheads field, uh, right by Loyola. But somehow, I don't know how, I don't know what's going on, but the R. Lee bus, <laughs> sports bus, was in my neighborhood, just like stuck in my neighborhood, trying to figure out a way to turn around. I think they must have driven past Loyola. Do you know, is there any an R. Lee Loyola game tonight by chance? Probably some volleyball going on. Yeah, okay. Anyways, SWX sports director, Sean Rainey, with me here on Nuanas Now. What's up, man? I like when you wear the white tie. Yeah, busted out for the the game this weekend. Um, I appreciate that. No, I'm. I'm Shaw was looking fresh at the game this weekend. The white on white was looking good. You know, you try to while while the weather's still good. Yeah. You know, and during games, you know, I try to dress up a little bit for those for those games. I mean, because they're gonna start getting cold, and then I'm just gonna be bundled up in a jacket. You know, so you gotta bust it. You gotta bust out the suits if you got them. You know, well, especially you know. You're on TV for millions and millions of people to be watching you, so you have to look dapper, especially when it's only six times a year, right? You get six home games of Washington Grizz a year, so you just got to do it. Uh, we're going to get to a whole bunch of different things, uh, but first and foremost, let's talk about the Grizz. Uh, you've been to a lot of Grizz games. I've been to a lot of Grizz games. That was one of the weirdest Grizz games I've ever been to. I'm not, I, I've already given my takes endlessly on this show this week. What did you think? Um, I, I knew going into it. Well, I mean, just... I, they were shorthanded, so that was a big that was a big part of it. No, but even just like everyone out there, you as a fan, leading into that game, there just wasn't you just didn't have a lot of buzz. There wasn't a whole lot of excitement. Like, and that's how I kind of you know you're kind of going into that and like, all right, here we go. Like, let's get the. But that's just what happens when you're coming off of the biggest game of the year to that point on ESPN two. It was a tough loss. There were some injuries. In comes a winless team. That's not very good. Um, all of it just kind of lined up to be flat, and that's how the team came out. That's what the atmosphere was in the first half of that game and through most of that game. And um, I think that as much as coaches want to say, like, our team was prepared and ready to go, the, the players seemed flat, and that's just kind of what the the performance was, especially when, too, um, you know, you're you're. I was sandwiched in between um, a Sac State game in which these players have had circled on their calendar for a long time because they did not like getting embarrassed to Sac State, and so I. And it was it was something that had never happened. I mean, the Grizz had literally never lost like that in Sacramento ever. I mean, since the Sac State joined the league in 1996, so it certainly was. I mean, it's a it's a game that you can tell has resonated with these guys a lot. So it's a good point sandwiched between the two games. Yeah, so, like, I mean, that's just one of those things where, I mean, we do this in the NFL a lot, especially, like, you know, when we're talking about betting or handicapping, or, ooh, that looks, that's your classic, like, letdown spot. The, we, I mean, come on, we just saw the New England Patriots coming off the Tampa Bay Bucks game. They got the Houston Texans, and they found themselves down big early and had to climb back to win. It happens to everybody. It's human nature. That, and then to me, that was just kind of one of the biggest takeaways was, was that, at least... You're, as a Grizz fan, you're going to hope that that was a reason why they sure. were very good because uh, things did not look all that great. Also, it's worth uh, mentioning that Dixie State had good players. I mean, they had several really good players. That's a team that's going to be in the FCS uh, in a full capacity next year, and that's a team that's going to be First of all, I know Paul Pearson a little bit because he was at Southern Utah and Sacramento State before taking the Dixie job. He's a really good offensive mind. He's a young, really cool coach. So he's going to be able to get guys. He'll get a quarterback there for sure. I mean, it's Utah, so they have great high school football there too. He's just He'll get a dude. They'll be like on a Weber State light trajectory here pretty soon, I think. But they also they played really hard, I thought. But also you guys tell the Grizzlies didn't have a lot of energy. And I think that there's a variety of factors that go into why. I mean, Bobby Houck mentioned – uh, both being shorthanded because of injury and also maybe some illness too. There's just a lot of things that went into it. I mean, it was a hot day, hotter than expected. That's always something that's maybe an underrated factor. I also thought, though, more than anything, I thought the the fans that showed up, they knew that the Grizz were going to win, but then it was so ugly and it took so long for the Grizz to pull away. It was almost like they didn't even want to be there, and then half of them weren't there after halftime. So I just thought that there was a lot of different things that contributed just to a lack of energy. Well, those scenarios are always kind of hard when, like, 
you're expected to blow a team out because like exactly it's hard to get juiced up for you know big plays because you're just like that. Well, that's what should be happening. So. Um, well, also, though, w- w- especially with a young guy, when was the last time you saw a young quarterback at any school that we've covered over the years come in and just tear it up in his first start? Even guys that ended up being really good, it's really hard the first couple starts. They just can't really process it. And Chris Brown, who I think is talented, he's he wasn't – you could tell there's a reason why Cam Humphrey was the opening day starter because Chris Brown is good, but he's not ready yet. He also hasn't started a game since high school. Years. Like, so it's been so long, and you could tell that he was, you know, not as comfortable um, out the out the gates and was, you know, processing things. And I think that's what was another thing that kind of like had people down was just there were so many people that had been clamoring for Chris Brown and thought he was going to come in and just light it up right away. And the fact that he got off to a slow start as well kind of had people just kind of in the dumps a little bit in the beginning. Okay, enough about that game because it's. Uh, I also think the timing of it was sort of not silly, but it's just atypical. You know, it's hard to come off of your biggest non-rivalry, but also rivalry conference game, and then play an out-of-conference game. I, even if that would have been Northern Colorado or something, I think it would have been a different flavor for the Grizz. But also, I think it's uh, can't be understated how much they are. I mean, they have a lot of guys out, and I'm not sitting here trying to make excuses for the Grizz. I just think that last week was just a weird week. I got, I got a question for you. Sure. In a in a Grizz confidence meter, sure. okay, one to ten. Yeah, are they higher or lower compared to coming off the loss versus Eastern as opposed to this last game? My confidence in them. Yes, and like maybe leading up. So like after I think the, after week one, the meter's at a ten. After after the first three weeks, it's at a ten. After the Eastern loss, it dips to a seven, and then does it did it or whatever did it dip? Did it stay where it was? Like where did the confidence meter go compared to coming off the loss against Eastern? I think when they get back to full strength, which I think they almost certainly almost will on defense. I think that pretty much every guy on defense will be back sooner than later, probably. Uh, or be back to full strength, too, because, like, Patrick O'Connell's not out, but he has a hand thing going. Like, I think they'll be back to being that ferocious defense sooner than later, and I think that their issues are not defensively. I think that their issues are twofold uh, on offense, and this is what's made my confidence regress for Montana overall. The offensive line has regressed. The offensive line played really well against Washington. It, it played pretty well against Western Illinois, but there was a couple really bad errors. They included, I mean, Cam Humphrey got – he threw that – pick six because he got crushed. It was a bad pass protection. They just didn't communicate. It was just an open shot, free blitzer. So, And they seem to continue to get worse and then they continue to get uh, there's continues to be attrition. I mean, Colton Kainz was sitting with me in the press box on Saturday. You know, Tyler Ganung retires earlier uh, this week. So you have multiple guards now out of the lineup. So I think the offensive line needs to continue to be a work in progress because I'm not quite there with that group yet. I, I, I'm not going to uh, Scrutinize their running backs. I just think that they're short on bodies there, but they have a systematic uh, disjoint in their offense right now. I don't know why. They don't have much flow. I don't know the the why is what's eluding me. It seems to me they could find some flow by just isolating their athletes and getting them the ball. But for whatever reason, the system, for whatever, whatever system they're running, it just doesn't seem like it's that fluid. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. That's where Sean Rainey works. He and I are recording right now, SWX Montana Television. On a Tuesday night, you're listening to this on a Wednesday. This All Football All the Time segment brought to you in part by Sports Bet Montana. I was thinking about this the other day. One of the best parts about using the Sports Bet Montana kiosks is that when you win, you get live cash. It's fun getting a little docket in your account on the app, but cashing in that ticket, you know, putting a 20 in the machine and winning a couple bucks. It's fun. It's become a new habit of mine. I, I really enjoy doing it. I really enjoy just going down and betting on an NFL game. It makes it pretty fun. And uh, it makes it pretty fun to follow the sport, too. So Sports Bet Montana has kiosks in most of your favorite establishments. Go check out their NFL betting lines, both in-game and pre-game. A bunch of prop bets, all sorts of fun ways to have a good time, be involved in the game. Appreciate Sports Bet Montana for providing us with all football all the time. So, anyways, one more thought on the Grizz offense, because then I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the Bobcats and the rest of the Big Sky Conference. But uh, Montana's offense, we don't know what's missing, but it seems like something is. Yeah, you kind of said it. It's a little just disjointed. It's off. And 
What? Why? Like, what, what is the reason? I, Even when they hit like a, a third down pass for a first down to Sammy Kim or something, it still looks kind of forced, right? There's a few. There's a couple things that kind of stand out to me that are just. I'm just going to throw these questions out there because I don't know the answer. I'm not watching the All 22 sure. and diagnosing it and have the analytics as far as how much they're running on first down and what their success rate is and blah 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 blah. And are they what their yardage and down and distance is, is on third down? It seems like it's third and long or medium quite often and not third and short. Um, so why are they not successful in the early downs? Things like that. Um, I think a couple things that I'm just going to throw out there. One, it seemed like when they went faster tempo, they had more success. They, yep. They've been going at a pretty slow rate. So I think you could um, pick up the speed and go a little more tempo. I, I get that Junior Bergen and like Xavier Harris is really good. I get that Junior Bergen um, is, you know, can be electric with the ball in his hands and stuff. But when he's running up through the tackle so much at only 175 pounds or whatever he is, I'm just curious on like why like a Drew Turner or something isn't used a little bit just to like lean on a defense a little bit. Like he's a big dude that's got, you know, that has a little bit of speed. So like I just I guess like running little running backs up the middle over and over again. I don't know if that really like wears on a defense throughout a game like a bigger guy would. So that is a, a question I have. That's the, other, that's the biggest issue with the run game right now too though is that even though Xavier Harris has gone over 100 yards two weeks in a row, their team yards per carry have been very low. One guy rushing for 138 is nothing in a college football game. A good college football game is 250 yards. Bobby well, always says that. Well, and not when he's carrying the ball like 29 times. 29 times. Well, yeah, and the other thing I find fascinating about the run game is that they never just get four or five or six yards. They get, they get two, two or, or three or 30. Or, yeah, 20, 20, 30. Like, part of that's because Xavier Harris is a one-cut back, and he's really fast when he gets to the hole. But also, I just I think there's something with their blocking scheme where they're either hitting it or they're not. And I don't know if that's because of the side or, or what, but there's, there's something going on with that element of their run game as well. But also, when was the last time that – Xavier Harris got a catch in the in the game last week and made a bunch of dudes miss in space and got like twenty something yards. That's the first time that I've seen him like catch the ball in space with a chance to make a play. I don't have you seen Junior Bergen? I I can't remember the last time I saw Junior Bergen like catch a pass. Did Junior space. Bergen was his touchdown on a pass? Um, it might have been like a little, like little swing little pass, little but like I I don't think they're getting them in, those guys in space enough. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to like do what they're best at, you know. Why aren't they getting anybody in space? That's why I'm so confused by. It. They're getting hardly anybody in space. We've seen no tight end throws over the middle. Uh, that's that's the other thing I was going to bring up. I don't feel like the middle of the field is really being utilized, uh, which is what you would want to utilize most of all with guys like Cole Grossman and Sammy Kim and Mitch Roberts well, we and Keelan seen, White, right? Well, we haven't even seen like Cole Grossman utilized at all until this last week. You know, sure. I was like, finally, we get a little bit of, and like some of those like those play action rollouts were great because you had Grossman. And as like uh, the short route going over the flat, you had an intermediate route and a deep route, and there's kind of three, and it's all right in front of Chris Brown, and he can go to choose which level he wants to attack. But yeah, like the middle of the field has really not been utilized all that much, um, which has been a little bit curious to me. And I just feel like they've been a little bit predictable on run pass in certain down situations. Um, so a lot of times, like, you know, they they will pass on first down, and if it's an incomplete pass, they're almost always running on second and ten. And then they get two, three yards, and then you have third and seven. Um, so, I, I I mean, I don't know the exact numbers, but that's what really what it feels like to me. It almost feels like every time there's, like, incomplete pass, first down, okay, here's the run, up the middle, three yards, third and long. Run on first down, you know, two yards, you know, here comes a pass, and then it's, you know, incomplete, and then you got to throw it. I don't know. So, a little bit predictive um, in that sense to me, just from like what I've been looking at. But I don't know. These are all just things that I'm just like throwing out there because like you said, like we're all watching it. We all see that it's like so there's a disconnect at, at somewhere. I think a lot of it is the just the trigger person. Um, yep. Don't seem like I think when you're when you're when you're quarter, would you agree that right now if you graded their quarterback play and their offensive line play this year, they'd both be like B minus to C pluses. I think that because if both those positions are are operating at a very average level, your your offense your offense is going to be average. Period. I think the offensive line has been better than it's been in the past. I think that the quarterback play has dipped from Dalton Sneed, and so when your quarterback play dips, everything kind of takes a dip. You know, um, they're also missing guys that. 
I don't think they, they didn't think they were going to miss these guys for the reasons they missed them. In other words, in a lot of their pass protection stuff, they need a big tight end and they need a blocking tight end. They don't really have that guy, particularly because Bryson Deming's gone. They're running backs. Like I was, I watched the film back from the last two games when Cam Humphrey got smashed. Not, not the time he got hurt, but the other time when he got smashed on the backside, and then this last game where Chris Brown got hit from behind and, and fumbled. Both of those hits, the running back, I can't, I can't remember if it was Harris or Bergen or both, one of each. But they just got completely blown up. Those guys, that's the number one weakness of a freshman running back, right, is, is being able to pass block. So I think that there's a systematic issue there as well. Yeah, well, I mean, those guys aren't very big, but I... And they're all young. I think they're really missing Samori Toure a lot because he was a really good route runner, but he was also really explosive. And they're kind of missing, like we saw Malik Flowers... In, against Western Illinois, get behind the defense and make some plays. But they really don't have that, like, explosive wide receiver. Like, Sammy Kim is, like, your big bodied, like, throw it up to him. Yeah. He'll catch a slant and, you know, body out a guy. But he's not, like, the fastest wide receiver. So he's why isn't getting... Malik Flowers the deep threat then, though? Exactly. Well, they're, they haven't really been taking a whole lot of shots. I know. Um, so that, I mean, that is a question, but it's like... I don't I don't know enough of like Malik Flowers' route tree to understand like you know exactly how to utilize them or, or whatever. I'm just saying from what we're seeing on the field, there's not a lot of you know explosive plays where wide receivers are creating a ton of space down the field, which is a difference from when you had Samori Toure because that was something that he could do based on his route running. Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. Coming to you from the SWX Montana studios about uh, 9.30 at night right now. Sean Rainey from SWX recording with me here on a Tuesday night. You're listening on a Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about this forever because I do think it's very interesting. I don't want to <laughs> – I wanted to bring this back to the, the Bobcats for a minute and as well as the rest of the Big Sky Conference. But Malik Flowers running back, just think about it. We'll talk about it next week. That would be cool. I think that would be a fun move. Malik Flowers at running back? Yeah, just give, just give him the ball. Like eight, eight to ten times out of the backfield. Think about it. We'll talk about it next week. Montana State is on a five-game winning streak as they head to Ogden, Utah for a showdown against the four-time defending Big Sky Conference champions in Weber State. This would have been a fun game if this would have happened in 2019 because both these teams had very similar identities with uh, non-existent quarterback play but nasty defenses and great run games. Um, but the, still sort of similar identities. Uh, interesting to see what Weber has, uh, especially with three losses on the docket already. They've had a ton of injuries. But Montana State, they've rolled through five different opponents but teams that they're supposed to be beating. So that's the number one question I have with the Cats right now. On one hand, they have so much confidence because they're rolling teams and they're executing at an incredibly high level. They're getting their studs out of the game in the third quarter four weeks in a row, and they've won five games in a row. On the other hand, though, they're playing completely overmatched opponents at their home field, and so have they been tested? It's an interesting balancing act. But where are you at with Montana State right now? What do you think of this game on Friday? I think they're pretty good. Um, What's the the line? I don't know. I haven't seen the line yet. Because uh, that that's gonna be very curious to me. Um, that, what do you think? I think the cats will be favored. I think so too. I would say uh, cats by like three, something like that. I'd say like cats minus four and a half. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I think they're good. I mean, I know that like you, the you can. It's easy. Like in Grizz fans will be like. Their strength of schedule. They sure. Playing anybody. Well, Montana's strength of schedule is about to get like the Bobcats has been exactly. upcoming, and the Cats are about to get the worst part of the schedule for the last five weeks of the year. Exactly. And Dixie State's not that great, and Montana sure. didn't execute that well against them. You know, sure. so they they have done what they needed to do against those teams, right? And so we're. I mean, we don't have to wait very long. We're going to find out about Montana State in the next three weeks because you go Weber State, and then you have. Eastern Washington in two weeks after that. So we're going to find out exactly how good they are. Um, we don't have to wait much longer. Um, I'm very curious to see. Um, I'm more curious, like, defensively, I think that they are, like, everyone talks about the Grizz defense, but their defense looks really, really good. To really? Well. And so, like, I'm curious to see how they do against, you know, some better teams. I don't think we'll necessarily have that showcase against Weber State because um, their offense isn't, you know, 
you know, prolific or anything. That could be just like a low-scoring kind of slugfest. But I, I like I'm curious to see them against Eastern Eastern Washington's offense and stuff. But no, I mean they're they're executing. They're playing very well. Um, if I had a vote in the stats FCS bowl, I'd be having them higher ranked than. Um, what they've been ranked all year. I said number nine this week, but that's too low. I totally agree. When they were in the like the thirteens and stuff the whole beginning of the year, I was like, they're better than a lot of these other teams. Like they're better than UC Davis. For sure. Like they're better than, you know, some of these other teams that we've seen. Uh, I think that they're better than everybody in the league besides the two teams within three hours of them. I think it's Eastern Washington, Montana, Montana State. I think that's the three in the league this year. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's those three and it's gonna be whoever can uh, kind of win the, the war of attrition as far as uh, for sure injury-wise. Like, Lemu Jones being out um, is huge for Eastern, I think. Um, he, I mean, he's just like a dynamic playmaker that, I mean, if he was out, Grizz would have won that game. Like, sure. um, he was the player of the game in that game. Yeah, so it's just going to come down to, like like NFL does, like a lot of football does, like who, who can be the healthiest and who can improve as the season uh, goes along. But, yeah, Montana State's been very, very impressive, and it's going to be really fun to watch them against two really good teams in the next three weeks. If you know the personnel and you know the um, talent that they have and just – I'm scru- I scrutinize this stuff as hard as anybody, and there is a, vol- a valid narrative any time that scheduling is part of the narrative, particularly in the Big Sky Conference. The unbalanced schedule within the league, the difficulty to find non-conference opponents, the different types of non-conference opponents that teams have to play. In other words, you have to play two FBS, probably two Power Five if you're Portland State. You have to play two uh, FBS, maybe even one and one, one power five, one group of five if you're Idaho State. A lot of these schools, they have to play two money games, whereas some of these other schools, it's way more, more beneficial financially to play games at home no matter who you play, a la Dixie State and the Grizz, you know, a la whatever, uh, San Diego if you're the Bobcats or Drake if you're the Bobcats because you get money at the gate. And so anytime scheduling is a part of it, it certainly is a valid part of the narrative. But Montana State despite playing a bunch of teams they're supposed to beat. I mean, in a row, San Diego, Drake, and Northern Colorado, and then last week, Cal Poly. Oh, and I know, by the way, all four of those games at home as well. Yeah, you get those out of the way, though, and now you only have two home games left, and you got your three toughest games on the road. But regardless, none of that is what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is that the analysis of Montana State from the inside out you can just see how many top-shelf headline players that they have. The Bobcats have significant talent defensively. They have as many head-turning type of guys as almost any team I've ever covered. Uh, and that's a testament to Jeff Choate and the, the talent that he left there. But they have elite athletes all three levels of their defense. They have multiple elite edge players up front in Daniel Hardy and Amandre Williams. Troy Anderson, one of the best athletes in the country as a linebacker. Chase Benson, I think, is the most I don't know how he's underrated, but he's the most underrated player in the league because he's unbelievable on the interior. He doesn't pile up all these stats. He He's not even in the media because he doesn't want to do any interviews. And uh, I just think that they have so many dudes across the board. The fact that Daniel Hardy up front, Ty Okada on the back end, developed into those type of guys, and the fact that they hit on these two transfers, Jeffrey Manning Jr. as well as Trey Webb, well, that's, that's big time. And uh, I think that their defense, the simplification of it, has been big time as well. So I just think Montana State, I think they're locked and loaded, headed to Weber. And uh, I think that they are definitely a team to be reckoned with. I picked them to win the league in my preseason poll, and uh, I still stand by it. I think the Grizz have actually even been, it, it, despite their, their struggles and my scrutiny, Throughout this segment of the Grizz, they've actually been better than I expected them to be, and they've been very impressive out the gate here. Uh, And they've exceeded my expectations in a lot of ways, particularly how ferocious they are defensively. Uh, But the Bobcats are are as talented as I expected them to be, maybe even more because of the emergence of certain guys. I mean, on the offensive side, the emergence of Lance McCutcheon and Derek Snell as potential all-conference type players, plus Isaiah Fonse still being the dude he is, and Elijah Elliott as well, just providing that one-two punch. I mean, the number one thing that Brent Vegan and his staff do is they – put their best players in a position to succeed. And I think that can't be 
understated how important that is. And that's why Montana State's rolling right now as they head to Weber State for the first of what will be three pivotal road games here, uh, the last five games of the year for MSU. This is all football all the time. It's presented in part by Northern Quest Casino. Probably the last thing worth noting is just how Montana State has been able to take the ball away at pretty much every level of their defense. I think they have 11 interceptions already this year. I think they lead the country right now in interceptions. So, I mean, four of this last game alone. And so uh, that ability as well. I mean, you match the talent with the execution, the acclimation to the scheme, uh, the quiet confidence they're playing with. And uh, I think Montana State enters as a, as a favorite at Weber State for a variety of reasons. I think Weber has not been as good uh, this last year. They definitely lost lost a lot. Uh, they also have been banged up. I mean, Bronson Barron has been in and out at quarterback. Josh Davis has been limited at running back. They got guys coming off of injuries out of 2019. They're still coming around. And uh, more than anything, though, I think that the guy that they're missing the most is their former All-American kicker, Trey Tuttle. He decided to not come back for his senior year. And uh, he was a guy that was going to threaten some of Dan Carpenter's records as uh, all-time Big Sky Conference scoring leaders. But regardless, I think that uh, Friday is going to be a good one. But I, I actually don't expect nearly the showdown that we shot between Montana and Eastern Washington. I think that, first of all, it's going to be a lot uglier game because that's kind of the style that particularly Jay Hill wants to play, but he's going to want to drag Montana State into that. But uh, I do think it's going to be a really physical game. I think it just it really just depends on if Weber can keep pace because otherwise I actually think Montana State is a, a favorite going to Ogden. If Weber loses, are they out of the playoffs? They, they would need some help. A 7-4 and four Weber team that did play a second-ranked James Madison team and a Pac-12 team in Utah and then had losses to a ranked UC Davis team and a ranked Montana State team. If that team won out... They would be in, yeah. They, they, yeah, they so, would be in. So that, that would be their fourth loss. They, but they also don't have any... They don't have Eastern or Montana on the schedule to then maybe beat as that quality win either, though. So it might be a Weber team that has four quote-unquote quality losses, but no real quality wins, too. Yeah, I think they get in if they run the table. But then, I mean, their backs are really up against the wall. Sure. So this is, a, this is a huge game for them at home. This is kind of a turn-your-season-around game for Weber State. So... It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Friday night. Of course, it's Friday night, so I can't um, be running around with high school stuff. You'll be able to kick back and watch it. I'll be. Oh, I'm going there. This is going to be. The, you are. Okay. This weekend is going to be the death of me. I'll debrief. We're almost out of time here with Sean Rainey, SWX Montana Television. But I'll debrief you after we finish recording. But yes, uh, I'm going to the Weber game Friday night again, then also doing the, the uh, game on Saturday as well in Missoula. So uh, it'll be a lot of football for me. Yikes. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Always love having you. Thanks for having me. Can't necessarily complain. Because like our good friend Jeff Choate used to always say, everybody's got problems. Nobody cares about yours. <laughs> Regardless, it's not a problem. It's just going to be a quick turnaround, but it'll be a, a good adventure. So and I got uh, some help uh, on all sides. So tease for Saturday. The Grizz do host Sacramento State. We will have a pregame show here on ESPN Missoula. I will not be a part of that pregame show. It'll be Ryan Tutel, Rajim Seabrook, and Andrew Houghton uh, bringing you into the Sacramento State at Montana game. And then I'll have some post-game action for you. So stay tuned for that on Saturday. We're up against it. Send us texts for fantasy football to get entered in a, for a chance to win a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. And keep it right here. Alex Esterman, the Montana State Minute, coming up next. And Wing It Wednesday, fantasy football advice, coming up in about 15 minutes. Keep it right here. ESPN Radio. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. The Grizzlies incurred more attrition along the offensive line this week. Hello, I am Coulter Nuanez. Within a week of starting right guard Colton Kintz announcing his retirement from the team, fellow offensive guard Tyler Ganung has reportedly left the Grizz football team. Cal Hansen of MPM Sports was the first to report the news, and Ganung confirmed it on his personal Twitter page on Tuesday night. The 6'5", 328-pound junior came to Montana from Sunset High School in Portland, Oregon. He came in as an offensive tackle before moving to offensive guard. He played as part of the rotation on 
the interior offensive line for the Grizzlies during the 2019 season and a bit in 2021. Montana brought in sophomore Hunter McGinnis, a transfer from Washington State before the season, and McGinnis has started all five games this year. The latest high school polls conducted by 406mtsports.com are out, and Hamilton remains the top-ranked team in Class A. The Bronx moved to 6-0 this past weekend. Moral, the 2020 state champions, are also undefeated at 6-0 and ranked second. Billing Central is 5-1. The lone loss coming to Laurel is ranked third, and the Pulse and Pirates coming at number four with Whitefish at number five. In Class B, undefeated Florence remains number one, while Townsend is number two. Big Fork comes in at number three. Columbus is number four, and Malta rounds out the top five at number five. This 102.9 ESPN Missoula Sports Center is brought to you by Aspen Sound. Panama coming back for you here on a Wednesday. Hope you have a great Wednesday. Let's go on as now. 1029 ESPN Radio as well as SWX Montana Television. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Broadcasting to you live from the Northwest Motorsport Studio. Northwest Motorsport, new to Montana, new to Missoula. Located at the corner of Stevens and Mount here in the Garden City. You can also check out the largest inventory of trucks anywhere in the Pacific Northwest at NWMS Rocks. Com. Keep those fancy football inquiries coming. That's going to get you entered for a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. And it's also going to get you a little satisfaction, too. 888 That's 888-1029. And uh, to send any and all fancy football discussion points there, that'll get you entered for a dozen wings. And uh, we'll also get your lineups all squared away. For the weekend, that's coming up here in about oh, 15 or 20 minutes. It's Wednesday, so that means it's time now for our Montana State Minute. Alex Eshelman, SWX Montana Television, joins us here on Nuanas Now. And Alex, crazy to think, but the season halfway finished already. Six games in, five games remaining, and uh, a lot out in front of Montana State, uh, to be sure. But what's your overall evaluation so far midseason for the Bobcats? Uh, five and one, five wins in a row. Things are rolling along pretty good, but they have three tough road tests remaining in their final five games. But what have you thought just of MSU so far, uh, the first half of Brent Egan's first season at the helm. Right, Coulter. I can't believe it either. The season is just an athletic season in general with volleyball and soccer all across the state. So very thankful that we have made it halfway into this season. And my thoughts on the program so far, Coulter, first thing, culture has been established. I think an identity continues to be established for this team, but I think Looking back at their first game in Wyoming to now, they've been locked in from week one to now week seven. And what's grown along with that discipline of staying prepared and just improving every single week is the fact that they've really come together as a team. And I think you can see that. Coach Vegan comments on that. He said earlier in the week, he said, where we've come all the way from spring to now is pretty remarkable. So I think that this team is ready for the back half of the season. I know a lot of people are talking about how this is going to be a real test for them in playing Weber State, and I would agree. Um, But I think overall, these first six games were critical for this program to really establish themselves. And it's an interesting carryover, too, from Jeff Choate to this team because Choate definitely mm-hmm. left the roster flush with talent. That's one thing definitely worth noting. I also think he established such a good culture in terms of the players leading the program, and Brett Vegan has accentuated that, but I also think the steady hand of Vegan and his coaches has also meshed quite well with what Montana State wants its identity to be. So uh, I don't know if it's luck, coincidence, or just the absolute perfect hire at the exact perfect time, but it seems like 
Right. Brett Vegan is the perfect guy for this specific team. I'm so interested to see what happens when he has his own guys in and it's not necessarily uh, a flush roster. I, I think that they can continue to be flush. It just remains to be seen how they recruit, but I do think that uh, it's a very interesting marriage right. that we've seen here because there was a lot of apprehension over whether uh, this team that was used to this fire and brimstone guy in Jeff Choate, would, how mm-hmm. they would react, but it seems to me that they, it couldn't have gone really much better than how it's gone so far. It seems like Vegan's the perfect fit for the makeup of the team that he inherited. I completely agree, Coulter. I think he stepped into a program in such an interesting time, like you touched on, in the midst of COVID, with also a a coaching change in Jeff Cho going to Texas. Um, And Bobcat fans were really upset. As you know, they loved Coach Cho. But I think that Coach Vegan has stepped into this role of leading the Bobcats as himself, not trying to be Coach Cho, not trying to be anybody else. And I think in a way, as the season has gone on, it's been refreshing to have a completely different feel um, instead of having two programs and trying to constantly compare them. No question. I think that that's definitely something that they've made great progress in and uh, definitely something worth noting because it has been important for their team. Alex Eshelman joining us. She's from SWX Montana Television. It's Nuanas Now. It's our Montana State Minute. Take a look at the Bobcats as they head down to Ogden, Utah. Um, the, other, the other interesting part about this team, Alex, is with all football teams, you always can find room for improvement in certain areas or details just depending on how much you scrutinize a team. But Six games in, and I know, again, they've played a uh, schedule. They've had a lot of overmatched opponents. But six games in, they don't seem to have a fundamental weakness on their team. So what have you thought of just maybe what the best strengths of this team have been? What have been the things that have impressed you the most uh, so far for what Montana State has done here during this five-game winning streak? Right, Coulter. I think through these first six games, first and foremost, the defense is so exciting to watch. I think that Bobcat fans love watching this defense. They're leading the FCS in interceptions right now with 11, had four in their win against Cal Poly. Callahan O'Reilly had his first pick six, which was always exciting to see, especially because he's a Treasure State native and a hometown guy and growing up in Bozeman and a a Bozeman Hawk. Um, I also think offensively, I think that Matthew McKay, one of the best in FCS, he's leading the FCS right now in passing efficiency. Um, and it's been nice to see his growth as a leader into this position that everyone was so curious as to who is going to be the starter. And even though it was pretty solidified that it was Matthew McKay, it's been nice to see him show up every single week and continue to improve, continue to be a leader on the offense. Um, I think that Isaiah Fonte just continues to crush it. Love watching him play, as always, three touchdowns in that win against Cal Poly. Um, The wide receiving group with Lance McCutcheon, Willie Patterson, Jaden Smith stepping up. Um, I think both sides of the ball culture just continue to look better and better. And I think it's going to be interesting going up against Weber State, though, with Jay Hill all-time winningest coach for the program, uh, Josh Davis. I'm really interested to watch over 3,000 career rushing yards. And then that defense is right up there, uh, second in the big sky in total uh, in uh, yards allowed right next to Montana State. So it'll be interesting. Is there a weakness on this Bobcat team? I guess everybody, everything, every entity, every person, every team, they all have weaknesses, but it seems like Montana State has mitigated those almost across the board. There's nothing really that I can point to that this has to improve if the Bobcats are going to continue to make a run. It seems like they've been so solid, but is there anything detail-wise or anything that, that has left something to be desired in your eyes? I think that, you know, I, it's interesting because even though they are 5-1, and one, perfect in conference play so far, Every week, I think it's always a little nerve-wracking going into every game because you don't really know, and this still is a brand-new coaching head, you know, head coach, brand-new offensive coordinator, brand-new defensive coordinator. At the end of the day, anything can really happen. Um, and this is the first time that Bobcat fans are really watching this first-time team work together as a unit. So. I always go into every single week with a little question mark going, okay, how is it going to go? What are they going to do? And 
I wouldn't say there's necessarily a, a particular weakness. Um, I think it's just a matter of if you're at, at this point in the season, there's going to be tougher opponents, and this is going to be the first taste. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they come together and react maybe when they're down at half or um, you know, somebody's struggling or there's an injury and who's going to be able to step up and have that next man up mentality. So I think it's just a matter of being able to work together as a cohesive unit when things get tough, Colter. What do you think? I think that's exactly right. I've been trying to sort of weigh the confidence that can be built in um, just fully rolling over the teams that you're playing and then maybe how much is left to be desired when it comes to being tested. And uh, I, I do think that confidence is one of, if not the keys to sports, uh, especially at the college and high school levels. So I definitely think that what how Montana State will react when they're tested, when the going gets tough, th- th- it's going to happen. There's, there'll be a mistake or a, a pick or something. I mean, maybe not. Maybe, maybe Matt McGale right. just be this perfect model of efficiency all, all the way along the, the way. But conventional wisdom says that there'll be times when <laughs> there's speed bumps or, you know, the, the number one thing that I think, and I don't, I'm not trying to project any sort of um, bad things happening to anybody because I don't want that at all. But injuries are a part of the game. Sure. And I think that Montana State has some of the great headlining players in the entire conference. But you wonder what happens mm-hmm. if those guys were to go down. I mean, I think that because guys, that their their best players are so good, it's impossible for the guys that are up next, the guys that are the twos and threes, to be as good. So you just wonder what would happen if they did hit that. But I totally agree. I think it is, it's just a matter of how Montana State reacts uh, when they do hit a uh, spout of adversity. It is the Montana State Minute with Alex Eshelman. She's from SWX Montana Television, doing a great job there covering the Bobcats. She'll be on the sideline on uh, Friday night in Ogden as Montana State takes on uh, Weber State. Uh, Alex, a couple more fun questions for you. First and foremost, I know you are uh, a great storyteller. You love this business because of the stories. What are some of the best stories, or maybe what is the best story that you found on the Bobcats so far this year? That's a good question, Coulter. I, oh gosh, well, I think, um, hmm, I think that Taylor Tuiasosopo's story, I think, is pretty incredible. Um, I think that, you know, he's faced a lot of adversity, uh, more than anyone should at his age, really, with losing, losing his dad, but, uh, working through that with the passion of his music and dance. Um, Josh Perkins does a great job with Big Cat's Little Trucks, our segment in Bobcat Insider every week, and got to talk to Taylor a little bit about that. Um, I think there's so many great storylines with the guys, Coulter. I think even most recently getting to watch Tommy Malott run 74 yards into the end zone for his first career touchdown against Cal Poly and knowing how much that meant to the Butte natives and the 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 butte tough mentality that Tommy embodies. I think that he's a wonderful storyline. I think watching Callahan O'Reilly and Lance McCutcheon be leaders on this Bobcat football team this year. And they grew up right down the road. Both Bozeman Hawks both started together playing basketball first before football. Um, and both played uh, some different positions in high school too. And to see them play, uh, different positions than they really were focusing on in high school and, and ball out at those positions. Those are very exciting. And, um, yeah, I would say, I would say those are, those are some of my favorites. How about you? Are there any that you followed that, that you were happy to see? Well, I, I think that there's a variety of great stories uh, on the Montana State team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ty Okada's emergence as a star, but also just the confidence that right. he has and that it's almost not a surprise to him because he is just such a, a smart and bright young guy. I think that's an awesome story. Right. Um, he, like you said, anytime you got a kid from Butte, <laughs> Butte America's always going to get you a good story because uh, it's one of the richest places on the right. earth when it comes to great stories and great characters. So Tommy Malott's emergence has definitely been great. Um, yeah, I think that Lewis Kidd's transition from going from a uh, guy that was recruited as a defensive lineman to now an All-American offensive lineman who's played multiple positions mm-hmm. along the offensive line is really good. Also, I think one of the most underrated stories at Montana State is I think that their coordinators are going to be stars. I mean, these guys are really young, and I've been so impressed with their schemes. I mean, their defensive scheme, I was incredibly skeptical of it. I thought changing from what they were doing, given the personnel on their roster, sure. I thought it was going to put a bunch of guys in disadvantageous positions, and that's not been true at all. In fact, it's 
it's been lights out. You can talk about the talent, but it's the scheme that's putting these guys in a position to absolutely thrive, and that's why they're partying on the pile. They're just winning the turnover battle uh, so well, so I do think that there is a lot here, but I do think that uh, there's a lot of great stories on Montana State, and we will continue uh, to hash all those out. Last thing for you, Alex, any funny stories you got? Has there any been any funny moments or any any fun moments with the team or, or uh, you know, just, just sort of quirky or off-the-wall stories that you got about Montana State? I would say, um, oh gosh, well, I do love the Jeffrey Manning, I, um, Jeffrey Manning and Tyrell Thomas friendship growing up together all the way in middle school. And I, I do believe I touched on in our last episode, um, they, they grew up in middle school. It's a dream come true to be able to kind of come full circle and play together here in Montana state. And a question was asked to them. They they said, someone asked them, "Have did you guys ever think two Southern California boys were going to end up in in Bozeman, Montana?" And I don't think the person who asked the question was even able to finish the answer before Jeffrey hops on it and he he goes, "Oh my God, no, absolutely not." When I first got here, it was nine degrees. And I had, it was blizzarding and I had no idea what to do. <laughs> so I think that, that, uh, that story right there and that friendship and being able to come from all different places all across the country. I think that's one of the most beautiful things about Montana state and Montana. You get homegrown farm boys from Montana and then you get guys from, uh, you know, a, a city in Florida or California um, all working together as, as one unit. Um, I would say that. I would also say Blake Hales. Uh, Blake Hale came into one of his our press conferences a couple weeks ago with a gallon of milk, and, and <laughs> somebody asked him what what what's going on with a gallon of milk, and he goes, you know, I I and I, I apologize. I'm going to get it uh, messed up, but it's a a dirty weight gain or something. What is okay. it called? It's a, it, he's like. Uh, he's like, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm just trying to pack as many pounds on and gain as much weight as I can. So I'm going with the gallon of milk. We're like, okay, you could be doing worse things. So that's, that'll work just fine for you. <laughs> Gotta love it. Well, gallon of milk is, uh, we used to have a gallon of milk challenge when I was in high school, but we'll save that story for another time because it's pretty disgusting. I don't think our radio listeners want to hear it. <laughs> of course, I'm not going to share it with a lady like yourself. So thanks so much, Alex, for being here with us. It is the Montana State Minute. <laughs> Alex Eshelman, SWX Montana Television, joins us each Wednesday here on Nuanas Now. And uh, Alex, safe travels. Have fun in the game on Friday, and we'll catch up with you next week. Coulter, always a pleasure. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you next week. So you go, Montana State Minute, Alex Eshelman, 888-1029-406-888-1029. Call, text, send us all of your fantasy football questions, comments, commentary. That'll get you entered for a chance to win a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Wing it Wednesday here on Nuanas Now. Keep it right here at ESPN Radio. At Blackfoot Communications, our mission is to connect people, businesses, and communities to their networks in Montana and beyond. Through Blackfoot sponsorships, local ambassadors, and public programs, we support initiatives such as the Emergency Broadband Benefit, Fiber Deployments, and Community Events. For information on our commitment to improving our communities with fast, reliable, and secure internet access, go to blackfootcommunications.com news. ESPN Radio. What up, what up? Happy Wednesday. Thanks so much for kicking it with us. Coulter Nuanez, Nuanez Now, ESPN Radio. Because it's a Wednesday, it's time for a Wing It Wednesday, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Despo has the best wings in the city of Missoula, as voted on by you, the uh, consuming public. You want a chance to win the wings? All you got to do is... Engage in a fancy football conversation with me. 
888-1029. That's 406-888-1029. Text us. Let us know. What are your fantasy football questions or commentary or guys you need to uh, advice on who to play where against who? If you do send us texts about which guy to play, tell me who each guy is facing as well. 888-1029. And we'll get to all those in each one of your texts and inquiries. We're probably going to spill into the second hour because that's kind of how it works around here. Um, but we'll get to all those, and then we'll decide a winner at the end. So please uh, keep filling up the inbox if and when you can. A couple of things that I was thinking about when it comes to fantasy football. First and foremost, the probably the player that is uh, altering the fortunes of the most leagues because of his unavailability is Christian McCaffrey. He was probably the number one pick in your draft or certainly a top 10 pick in your draft. He uh, has been hampered by a hamstring injury for most of the last three weeks. A lot of times guys like that that are super explosive, really muscular built in their lower body, they're going to struggle with those hamstrings for a long time. But the, uh, the struggle here is he's been questionable leading up to kickoff pretty much each of the last three weeks which then makes it hard because you have to wait, and then sometimes, depending on when their game is, uh, you have to make split decisions, quick decisions. And so if McCaffrey can go, you want to play him. He's playing against Minnesota. Minnesota's run defense is not great. In fact, it's it's pretty subpar. I think they're giving up the uh, 10th most rushing yards per game in the league. So if McCaffrey can go, you got to go, but it's an 11 a.m. Montana time game. So... Uh, you got to just monitor it. That's my best piece of advice. Just monitor it as much as you possibly can. That's like all things with fantasy football, though. But if you don't have, if you can't play McCaffrey, who are you going to go with next? That's another interesting question. But a couple other things to contemplate. There's some guys that are making waves in the fantasy world. I think Debo Samuel has been one of the breakout players in fantasy. I've mentioned that before. I have him on a couple teams. The Niners have a bye this week, so that's uh, a different one. The Falcons also have a bye. I know that they have several guys that are on a lot of fantasy teams, whether it's Matt Ryan as a quarterback or maybe Calvin Ridley. Um, obviously not Julio Jones anymore because he's busy being questionable on the injury report for the Tennessee Titans instead of the um, instead of the Atlanta Falcons. But definitely buys coming about right now as well, and so that's always key. Uh, but I would say that. Let's say you only have one quarterback on your roster and uh, they have a bye. Just go get yourself uh, a rental quarterback, basically. Go pick up like a Taylor Heineke or something. Just play him for a week and then go back to the other guy and cut whoever you pick up. That's the way I would do it is just uh, don't try to build for anything but that specific week and uh, to just play the guy one week and then go back to whoever you got at your disposal. So, uh a couple other things worth considering from the tight end position. Uh, the top producers, the normal top producers, first of all, a couple of them are no longer in their prime. Rob Gronkowski's not been doing what he usually does. Zach Ertz is nowhere near as productive. George Kittle, I'm not going to say he's past his prime, but he hasn't been as explosive as maybe you expect. Travis Kelsey's almost in the... Uh, the echelon of a number one receiver than even a number one tight end. But even teams now have figured out a way to take him away a little bit too, specifically the Buffalo Bills did on Sunday Night Football. And everybody else is sort of just crapshoots in terms of how they're going to perform uh, on, a given, um, on a given weekend. Like Kyle Pitts is a really talented guy for the Falcons out of Florida. I had him on a couple of my rosters, but he had not had a breakout performance yet. So I waited, and then I benched him, and they had a big performance last week. So it's kind of just a roll of the dice. But a couple guys that maybe could, they have the ability to have breakout performances. I think Tyler Higby for the Rams, uh, he's primed for a big day. Uh, I think Robert Tanyan for the Packers, there'll be a game where he catches a couple touchdowns. Mark Andrews for the Ravens had a couple breakout catches the other uh, night on Thursday night, or on, uh, excuse me, Monday night football. So there are some guys that maybe aren't that consistent 10 to 12 points per game, but... Some tight ends, maybe you just gotta, you just gotta keep your ear to the ground. You gotta keep your nose to the grindstone on the fantasy football and just monitor any and all things. You want to be involved with this? 
need some entries, so 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Text us any and all of your fantasy football questions and commentary. Hour one of the books here on Nuana is now hour two coming at you hot. Andy Thompson, defensive coordinator from Sacramento State, as well as our Grizz Star of the Week. Keep it right here at ESPN Radio. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 